This is Corkscrew Convos, another theme park podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, Mardi Gras, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. DJ, it's been a little bit, but there's been some large events taking place, like maybe a large football game here or there. I saw it more, though, as an opportunity to make a regional delicacy, and do you know where I'm going with this? Potentially, I thought you were referencing the reveal of the Mercedes Formula One car, but it seems that you and I are in two different headspaces. Well, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot going on. There's the Winter Olympics, there's that car thing that you're talking about. There's been the Super Bowl, which is what I was talking about. Uh, And with that Super Bowl, I made Cincinnati chili, DJ. Have you ever had Cincinnati chili? I can't say that I've had Cincinnati chili. Oh, man. You know, the sense of this is Cincinnati chili. I've had chili without beans, which is okay. But um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had. I don't think I've had Cincinnati chili. Well, DJ, we've shared my podcast recipe on the podcast before we've talked about my history with chili. Uh, and I've, I've made Cincinnati chili once before this occasion, but when the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, I said, you know what? I should probably make Cincinnati chili again. Even though I didn't want them to win, I'll make their dish. <laughs> because, of course, I do have a lot of friends from the Cincinnati area. They're always talking about this chili of theirs. And, of oh, course, yes. when we had Michael Graham from the Gravity Group on the podcast just two episodes ago, uh, we also bended his ear about Cincinnati chili as well. So I, for this Super Bowl, made Cincinnati chili. And just let me run through the spice list with you now, DJ. Uh, like I said, we're not going to just talk about chili in this episode, but I think it's a, a good way to whet our appetite, so to speak. I think that's fair. And just so you know, Michael consistently reminds me that my chili is inferior to his chili. <laughs> well, what is your chili, DJ? Why is it inferior? Well, it just ha- it has beans in it. And I find it funny. I've had a couple of listeners um, actually reach out to me and say, um, this is verifiable. I can, I can get you these messages. They said, I tried it with beans. I think I like it better. Well, I mean, at beans, it's a simply slope, DJ, because at that point, do you put in corn as well? And then Ew, you're halfway no, to jambalaya. Like yeah, a, you're yeah. halfway to a soup. And those are different things. They have their place, of course, but I wanted chili, DJ. And here is what I put in spice-wise for Cincinnati chili. Okay. I minced about four cloves of garlic. I put in a, a lot of chili powder. With some of my previous chili dishes, I had created the chili flavor itself from real dried chilies that I then rehydrated or I would take a mortar and pestle and grind up the chilies into a rough uh, earthy chili powder. But in this case, I wanted to be authentic to Cincinnati, so I just used chili powder. Um, I also put in a bunch of paprika, some ground cumin, ground allspice and coriander and cinnamon. Cinnamon, though, is uh, very different because I don't usually put that in my chili, but it does add mm-hmm. a little bit of heat and a, bit, a little bit of sweetness to it as well. I put in a dash of cayenne, uh, a dash of ground cloves, and uh, salt. So, DJ, that's sort of the spice base of this Cincinnati chili that I used. I did, of course, add peppers, onions, ground beef, 
more stuff to make it good. I put a little bit of Worcestershire sauce and tomato sauce and diced tomatoes as well. And I think it turned out very good, DJ. I was, like I said, I was happy that the Bengals didn't win, but I was happy to appropriate their regional delicacy while I enjoyed their loss. What a terrible end to a game. I just was expecting something more. Um, I was talking to you about this for the podcast. I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan. I've been a Chiefs fan since I, I was little. I remember like Trent Green and Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez. Um, and that being said, like, I think I wanted the Bengals to win because to me, that's the underdog pick. Um, at least for, for that specific yeah. game. I even have a coworker who Cincinnati's his team. And it was just cool because it brought me back to uh, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2020. And I was thinking, oh, wow, like I remember that feeling, how excited I was, um, what an awesome moment that was. So I wanted it for him. It didn't happen. Um, also, at the end of the day, the Rams used to be the St. Louis Rams. And although I was a Chiefs fan, I can't imagine that the Rams leaving the state of Missouri did a number on the tax revenue for that state. And so yeah, that yeah. being my home state, I'm not there now, but. Um, that that kind of hurt. You know, I do want to talk about your recipe real quick, too. I think one key thing that you do that I think more people should do, whether they call themselves a home cook or whatever, home chef, is you're using actual minced garlic. You're not using it out of the, the sort of container that you keep refrigerated where it's pre-minced. You're not using just garlic powder. You're using the real raw stuff. And that can be a huge difference in a lot of recipes. Oh, definitely. I, I have tried the jar of pre-prepared garlic and I open it. It's very acidic smelling. It sort of smells like a Domino's pizza when you go in, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing, but oh. it wasn't what I was going for. Yeah. So of course I do try to use the fresh, the, the freshest ingredients that I can uh, when I'm making chili. That's why I've tried to gravitate towards less powder based spices, more, seed-based spices that I would then grind up or the dried chili peppers themselves that I would grind up. Um, but my, I, I wanted to be Cincinnati chili, and they called for a chili powder, so I used chili powder too. Uh, but when I do have the opportunity to use my garlic press to press out those garlic cloves, it, uh, it makes my hands smell great for the rest of the day. And by great, I mean like garlic. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's just part, it's occupational hazard. It's part of the job when you make chili a, in my household. It's a polarizing smell, I think. One thing that's you know exciting for you, and I'm going to steal your thunder here, but since we've been doing this podcast... I've moved twice. You've yet to move homes and you're moving, right? Yeah. You know, DJ, it's contagious. You have moved, you have reworked out your recording rig and I haven't had that pleasure yet, DJ. Uh, but that is going to be coming up pretty soon. This is going to be the last podcast episode that I'm recording in this chair, in this room, in this position right now. Um, I mean, all the way back to 59 episodes ago, just about there, I have been sitting right here with this computer. I upgraded my microphone here and there, of course, and got a little better sound equipment to be able to increase the quality of the production, but I've been right here. And so now I'm going to have to figure out a new situation with this new place that I'm moving to. I hope that it's quiet, 
but <laughs> I'll make the best of what I'm given, of course. And I am looking forward to the new adventures that come with that life change that is coming my way. I don't have anything so to share right now on the podcast, but uh, I'm excited about the future ahead. And I think 2022 is going to be a very exciting year, DJ. I'm super excited for you. And I'm sure that, you know, there'll be some time where you're moving and this will be probably the last thing on your mind. So I guess I give it as a, uh, a forewarning to the listener. Maybe they'll maybe get a couple solo podcasts from me, or maybe we'll take a small break, but we will be very transparent when that happens. So don't you? Yeah. Worry. And I think the last month or two or so uh, I have been, I mean, we, we've been very busy, DJ. I've been navigating major life events and changes, and this is sort of the culmination of all of that with this uh, this move and this new beginning that I am about mm-hmm. to begin. So uh, we will be sure to uh, record when we can. Sometimes, DJ, you might hold down the fort, but I trust you to... Uh, to keep the, well, uh, what do they say in it? Not a scratch, DJ, not a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, kind of okay. exciting. I mean, at least for some things that we could do. I mean, I'm going to um, Orlando here in just a few days. I'm going to be able to plan is to see Galaxy's Edge for the first time. Um, hopefully run over to Animal Kingdom, get on Expedition Everest. I've been to Animal Kingdom three times and still have not gotten on that ride ever. Mm. Um, well, DJ, when are you going? I'm going uh, this this coming Sunday. I'm going to fly in early morning. Um, oh, DJ. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Expedition Everest is in a lengthy refurbishment right now, DJ. Oh, I am so that's sorry. Right. <laughs> oh, that's right. I am so sorry, DJ. Oh, no. Oh, bitten by the Yeti that's okay. again. That's okay. That's okay. It's totally fine. What I will do is just enjoy Galaxy's Edge more. This might have an opening if I can figure out a way to get to iron Gwazi though i never thought about that okay wow i'm gonna yeah, be flying that's... in arriving around 8 45 in the morning i have a wedding the next day a monday wedding uh with one of our good one of my good friends is marrying another one of my good friends uh, and one of the good friends happens to be an avid listener of the show um he's submitted excellent questions i'm really happy for him Really happy for her. That wedding's on Monday, so I'm treating Sunday as what can I do? How much stuff can I do? Monday morning <laughs> before the wedding, I'm going to be able to jump on Velocicoaster. That's the other plan there. Okay. That's a quite a way to start the wedding day festivities <laughs> is on Velocicoaster. <laughs> I'll be flying back, flying back home on Tuesday uh, in the morning to work all day on Tuesday, work all day on Wednesday, and then I'm heading to Las Vegas for five days. Wow. Wow, you are the jet setter world traveler. I really do like the sound of that. And I can't wait to talk about your adventures with you on this show sometime where we hear about you returning to Orlando for the first time in many years, I think. Uh, I will caution you, DJ. If you don't already have a park pass reservation for Walt Disney World, get it now because they do run out uh, in the days leading up to uh, the visit. I have found that in my personal experience. I appreciate that. I need to do that. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully get to do Meow Wolf in Vegas. Hopefully get to do the New York coaster with the new trains. Oh. Get to check out the, my first El Loco coaster. Yeah. Lots of, lots Area of fun 15. Yeah. I don't know if you're, if that's going to be in the cards for you. Huh. Get it? Vegas it is. cards. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, did you catch my 
my pun. I, okay. I, I, I did. It was it was very good. We're going okay. for a bachelor party. I've never been oh. there. I think pretty much everyone that's been there has never been to Vegas. Um, okay, so this is going to be really a sitcom. I'm going to uh, option it, it for a, a Judd Apatow-style <laughs> coming-of-age film. Uh, now, riddle me this, DJ. Is this the same guy who's getting married that weekend? Are you going to his bachelor party the week after no. the wedding? No, no, no. No, no okay. it is not. No. This is a different different friend. This friend is really into NASCAR, so we're also going to a NASCAR race to support him. Uh, I like cars, so I'll enjoy it. But I know a few of the people in the group are like, "Ugh, why do we have to do this?" I'll I'll, I'll have a good time. There's a racetrack in Vegas. Yeah, I believe so, or at least outside of Vegas. Yeah, because remember, there used to be the there used to be that NASCAR experience as well with the Premier Launch oh, yeah. Coaster. Yeah, Speed the Ride, which did look pretty good. Are you going to be able to get to Desperado with Buffalo Bills? We won't be able to go out that far, I don't think. I don't do even feel know like if it's it, open. <laughs> I, I feel like if Speed the Ride was still open, it would. I would confidently say be the best coaster in Vegas, I think. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that statement. But who knows, once you've ridden the roller coaster formerly known as the Manhattan Express and its new <laughs> premier trains, you might say that that is the best coaster in Vegas. It probably is. I mean, what could the other contenders be? The El Loco, the Canyon Blaster, and Adventure Dome? That's and it. I think that's it. So That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think El Loco is a cool concept. I, it, that ride is definitely going to have its highs and lows and... Candy last year, I've been told, is, is just fine. Yeah, it's one of those late-age arrows where they sort of, I don't know if they sort of figured it out there like they did with Tennessee Tornado. Uh, so I will definitely be interested to hear about your trip report from that, DJ. But uh, we definitely have a, a bright future coming forward with Corkscrew Convos, a theme park podcast. Uh, so buckle up, dear listener. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but a good ride. And I, I think that every ride needs a little bit of intensity if we're talking about both a roller coaster and a podcast consumption experience. So buckle up. But before we get on to our future, we have to look in the past a little bit, DJ. What are some of the most recent episodes that we have had a lot of fun with? Well, we had two Planet Parks. Be sure to check those out. That's where Chris and I just have fun. Uh, we start where we think, okay, we've got this budget and whatever, and it devolves into, ah, who cares? This is hypothetical. Uh, but two <laughs> yes. plan a park, one for Knott's Berry Farm. Um, we looked at what we could put into that park, uh, how they might go to more of a thrill capital, at least in that part of the country. And then we also did one with Holiday World and Splash and Safari, which I suppose is one of the closer parks to me now. And um, that was entertaining, too, just because I hadn't been there in a long time. It was a park I knew a little bit more about, so I feel like I had a more informed decision, uh, at least in these hypothetical plans we put down. Yeah, I will say that since we have released the Planet Park for Holiday World, um, we missed something because for this uh, summer of 2022, Holiday World will be premiering a firework and drone show. Uh, which looks pretty interesting. And we did not have that on our boards. And so that's surprising, but it looks very impressive from what we've seen so far. They announced it via a series of Wordles custom made on their Facebook page. So that's very exciting, DJ. And while we didn't have it in our plans, I will allow it because it looks pretty good. I appreciate you allowing that. It does look cool. Dollywood's done something similar to this and Theirs looks awesome, but we had a couple other Planet Parks, too, want to just quickly throw out. We have one that's still kind of alive. I shouldn't say Planet Park. I should say two other podcasts, and 
one of those podcasts that's still alive is the time flies paint dries where we didn't know how popular it'd be we kind of just said okay we know there's a lot of repaints happening for whatever reason uh, so let's document them all we're still documenting them over on our twitter so oh, yeah. if you find a ride that maybe is in progress of painting that we didn't catch uh, definitely update us over there chris you provided an awesome update of alpengeist looks awesome really excited for that new paint job and i think out of the past four podcasts we did my favorite one though had to be with michael graham of gravity group really appreciate him taking the time to speak with us talking about timberliner trains his favorite gravity group rides his favorite non-gravity group rides and even giving us a little bit of information on the beastery track that we kind of had some thoughts it was obvious something was happening but he was able to give us some more information it was great to hear it from the source i mean he is Gravity Group, and Gravity Group is making some significant enhancements to the Beast, the legendary Beast roller coaster at Kings Island. They are reprofiling some elements, building it from the ground up again um, in certain areas. The first drop is going to be a little steeper, and that's not necessarily to add more thrills, he said, but to get a better angle entering that tunnel right at the first drop and then the approach out of the tunnel as well. So Engineers. that is... it's. <laughs> It's very exciting to hear, DJ. That was an incredible interview that we had with Michael Graham of the Gravity Group just recently. But with that paint project that we are sort of working on for Twitter, I don't know what the finished product is going to look like, but I am happy to say that we are almost two months in to this tracking campaign where we have a big running list of all the roller coasters and major attractions that are being repainted right now. And I'm happy to say again that some people are really contributing. Like Drew the Intern copied us on a tweet where they were talking about Steel Hog at Indiana Beach being repainted. And they had a, a great shot of half of the track painted, half of the track unpainted. And That's my true home park. How did I not know about this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know where all of these paint projects are coming out of the woodwork, but they are. And I'm I'm happy that we're able to sort of aggregate them into a single location. Uh, it's, it's sort of in a pretty nebulous Twitter thread right now, but like I said, I don't know what the final product will be. I just know that we are assembling the information and we're going to do something cool with it as we track all of these new paint projects. And once all these parks that are seasonal parks, a lot of them open up for the spring and summer, we'll be able to see photos of all these new paint jobs. And uh, it's going to be great, DJ. I can't wait for the springtime. Uh, there are a lot of parks that are year-round. A lot of them are in California or Florida or Texas and the United States. But there is one park, DJ, that went year-round of all years in 2021. So this is their second year going year-round. And do you know what park I'm referring to, DJ? Mm, I see which one, but I'm going to take a guess to to amuse you. Six Flags okay. Fiesta, Texas. No. Close. Six Flags the, in Texas. The park that I'm talking about right now is Bush Gardens Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia. We, of course, have talked about Bush Gardens a ton on this podcast. It's a really nice park. They have a lot of great things going for them. But they are bringing back for 2022, this is their second year, with Mardi Gras, which is a celebration that has been used for a seasonal event at Universal Studios Florida for many, many years. Uh, it's mm -hmm. made its way to a lot of Six Flags parks over the last decade as well. 
Uh, the Cedar Fair parks, a lot of them have a version of Mardi Gras, which is called Grand Carnival, which is sort of borrowing a lot of iconography and style and aesthetic from Carnival and Mardi Gras, but bringing it to the summer where it's sort of an international celebration with unique entertainment and food offerings as well. So Mardi Gras is very popular in the theme parks and Bush Gardens, it was no exception, TJ. I uh, visited this this past Saturday at Bush Gardens. It was only open 12 to 6, but that was understandable, of course, for this sort of pseudo off-season event. But DJ, I was just thrilled to be in the park in February, which was not something that I had done before. And it did feel strange because, of course, I was used to the main park season where the trees are starting to bloom a little bit by the time you get in the park in March, or you see a lot of leaves turning in the fall for Hollow Scream or Christmas Town. But to be there in the dead of winter in February, it was a new situation, but it was cool to see the park sort of in winter, which I hadn't really encountered before. Yeah. And they have a pretty decent ride selection open. It seemed like, it seems like if you want to ride coasters, for instance, you're not going to be able to jump on Griffin and Alpengeist. Is that right? That's right. They were both being repainted, but more on that later. <laughs> and so there's a there's a variety of things to do um, outside of just riding, though. I mean, this is a very festival-heavy festival. I know it sounds funny to say, but they know that temperatures are colder. People are not really going to be looking for the high-speed thrills all day. Uh, so there's still plenty to do. Yeah, the focus for Mardi Gras is definitely on, one, the food and beverage, and two, the entertainment. Um, I would say the rides were simply an afterthought to a lot of people. They were incredible to have these world-class coasters and rides still open for the park when you would experience them, like with Verbolton and Apollo's Chariot, um, and a lot of the rides in Sesame Street Forest of Fun and Land of the Dragons for the little ones. Uh, so they did have a, a decent ride lineup open, especially for it being in the middle of winter. Um, but I would say that the main highlights of the event were the entertainment and the food and beverage. The first thing I did, DJ, once I went in the uh, park was to see their new stage show in the Globe Theater called Carnival Imaginique, which was, uh, it was sort of mm. a quick show of different circus style acts of skill and strength and that sort of thing. Uh, it was a group of dancers between each act as well as a sort of a palate cleanser for you to both uh, see the, the man holding up somebody with just his arm or something, or the aerialist swinging um, with her feet and her hands and, and different versions of that. But it was a fun show. The one thing, DJ, though, the one thing that it was begging for was a sort of host or a ringleader, a show person is what they're called now in the industry, instead of the maybe the, the canned pre-recorded audio cues that they would play between each act, that got the job done. But it really got me thinking, if there was one thing I could change about the show, which was a good show, one thing I could change was to have a sort of show person to introduce the acts, maybe say a funny one-liner before introducing another act as well. If they could sing, yeah, that would be great. In a way. 
Yes, a ringleader. Because again, with Carnival, there's a sometimes circus elements is how the theme parks often interpret Mardi Gras and Carnival. So I think that it would be a natural extension to have someone hosting a show like that. But even without it, it was great. I just thought of something maybe would make it even better in the future. That's definitely helpful to think about. Um, any special food at this event? Well, DJ, 12 to 6, you would think that there was plenty of time to do everything, but the time just melted away, DJ. I don't know where the time went <laughs> because I was meeting some friends there. So, of course, we, we moved at our own pace. We didn't really sprint around the park to get through all of the different uh, festival kiosks for that. Oh, okay. But I was still able to try the beignets. Mm. And DJ? Describe the beignet good. real quick. A beignet is it's sort of flaky, layered dough. It's not phyllo dough per se, but it's like that, where it does have the layers and it's fried and they put powdered sugar and maybe a special syrup on it. And when you eat it, the powdered sugar is going to get all over your clothes. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to enjoy it. Disneyland is known for their beignets. They're not known for the right beignets, though. Everybody goes crazy for the Mickey-shaped beignets in New Orleans Square. That is incorrect, DJ. Those beignets are fine, but they're baked and mass-produced. There's Ooh. nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're still delicious, and you can eat them and be perfectly happy. But what you need to do when you're at the Disneyland Resort and you want beignets... You need to walk out of Disneyland Park into downtown Disney, turn right, walk down a little bit, turn left to Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen, go to the express mm. window, and buy beignets there. They use the Café du Monde um, recipe for beignets. They fry them and prepare them to order. Cafe, right? It is, yes. And they oftentimes have a, a lot of more flexibility in what you can also order in addition to your beignets. And no, they're not Mickey-shaped, but they are, oh, if I had to rank the beignets that I've had <laughs> in the theme park environment, DJ, I don't know if I would say the Ralph Brennan Jazz Kitchen beignets and as one, and maybe 1A is Busch Gardens Williamsburg beignets. And then inside Disneyland is three for the Mickey-shaped beignets. Mm. You're not going to go wrong with not, with any of the beignets that I've described, but there is a right answer that a lot of people seem to miss. So that was You're my beignet soapbox. At this point. Yes. So it was great to try beignets. Let me steer it back to Bush Guards. It was great to try beignets at the park again. Uh, they first rolled out beignets for their food and wine festival. 2011, 2012, I think, and they were one of the most popular dishes at their food festivals there. Uh, so I understand them sort of anchoring an event with beignets, which is what Mardi Gras is, it seems like. And I understand it. I get it. They're delicious. They have a ton of Cajun food offerings around the park at Bush Gardens. I didn't get to a ton of them, but DJ, let me make your, your mouth water a little bit. There is jambalaya. There is Cajun sausage and grits. A crawfish boil, where I come from, we call that a crawdad boil. <laughs> uh, there's a Mardi Gras corn, which I heard was very good. There's king cake, cinnamon rolls, Ooh, crawdad dip, Cajun snack mix. Don't know what that is. 
<laughs> and then, of course, fried okra and shrimp etouffee. So that was just uh, a brief reading and selection of what they are serving at Mardi Gras over to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. But you know that they're doing it right because a lot of that sounds incredible. And what I have been able to taste was really good, DJ. So that was Mardi Gras at Bush Gardens. It wasn't the only reason I was there, DJ. The other major reason is I needed to check up on an old friend. Oh? This is a friend that I've known for a lot of my life, and they decided to make a, a major change about how they look. They wanted to change their appearance in a major way. And so I said, hey, fine, that sounds great. I support you 100%. Let me come out to see you. Let me see what's going on here, and then we can just <laughs> do whatever. Uh, this friend that I'm talking about, of course, is Alpengeist, DJ. Uh, oh. It is... <laughs> It's one of the best roller coasters in the world. It is the tallest full circuit inverted coaster in the world at 195 feet. And it is being repainted, DJ. It used to have a very classic color scheme of white track and sort of greenish teal supports. And that is being changed. And I got to say, it's growing on me, this new color scheme that they're going with. They're keeping the white track, of course, but the supports are going to be a sort of an icy pale blue, sort of like the eyes of the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I saw in the photos you had you'd taken. I think that's an excellent way to think about it. I do like the, the, the paint job. I would say what this does more than anything, and I doubt they're updating the queue or anything, but it does make it look less 90s. Yeah, and of course I am a fan sometimes of the 90s aesthetics out there. Uh, looking too, at you, Kumba. <laughs> or <laughs> Gwazi a lot of times where Iron Gwazi, they rolled out this incredible line of retro merchandise around the original Gwazi logo, mm. and it looks incredible. So if you do go there, DJ, be sure to take a look at their merchandise in Busch Gardens, Tampa. Uh, but okay. with Alpengeist color scheme, it's growing on me. I was concerned at the beginning. I said, wow, they're going to really change the color scheme. Okay, sure, sure. Uh-huh. And I was a little nervous, but being there in front of the <laughs> coaster, I think it's going to look great. I got to see when the trees really fill out for spring and we get just a, a layer of green around the coaster because it's a very wooded coaster. Uh, it's surrounded by these trees in the topography of Bush Gardens. I think once I see Alpengeist, when the trees are out, the leaves are in full bloom or whatever they're going to do, that will be the definitive moment. But I have an inkling that it's going to look incredible come summertime. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to do it right, I feel. This is a good color scheme, and it's really exciting to see uh, this coaster new color scheme really just just really happen. Yeah, but other than Alpengeist, there is a lot of new paint going up. Of course, visiting the park in February, it is understandable that they're doing a lot of upkeep and maintenance projects that we would usually not have an opportunity to see. Uh, for example, the bridge between San Marco and Italy and Oktoberfest was closed because they're maintaining it and working on it. So a lot of people had to walk down the big hill. Well, I say they didn't have to, but they did. They walked down the big hill down to the Rhine River and then up the other big hill uh, to sort of preserve that loop of the park layout where they could have still gone through 
Ireland and France and New France to get to the other side of the park. Uh, but I saw more people on that lower bridge than I'd ever seen before, uh, simply trying to get to the other side of the park. Yeah, so DJ, there's a lot of painting going on. A lot of what we noticed is the coasters, but there is a lot of other projects happening around Bush Gardens. Uh, there's the bridge that we had mentioned between uh, Oktoberfest and San Marco, uh, but there's also a lot of the buildings in Rheinfeld, which is one of the two German hamlets in Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Uh, they are repainting sort of the entrance building that has a, a retractable iron door that we always see in those medieval um, buildings, and it sort of opens up the village or closes it when they need to. But they are repainting that building to be an orange, where previously it was simply off-white. And it got me thinking, DJ, it's it's very orange right now, uh, but they have an A-frame sign right in front of it where they show concept art of what it's going to look like when it's done. And it looks pretty good. They have the different color swatches on the sign, too, so they can sort of give us a sneak peek as to their designer concept of what they're trying to do with Reinfeld. And it reminded me of the park in 2014, where they did a similar approach to San Marco, the Italian hamlet, one of them in Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. The buildings in San Marco were beautiful and they looked great, but they were different shades of beige and off-white. They have since changed that, I think it was around 2014, when they were revitalizing that area with Marco Polo's Marketplace. Uh, but they replaced it with richer colors, like a, a purplish color, a green, an aqua green for another building. And I think that's sort of what they're doing here as well. Uh, if you were to look in the history books at ancient Rome, the buildings that we see ruins of today were not bone white. They've been bone white because a lot of the pigment of the paint is long gone and the buildings have been bleached by the sun over millennia. Uh, but when they when they do these different archaeological digs around antiquity, they do find traces of very colorful paints. And so it's interesting to see them make that decision mm. for those buildings in San Marco, and of course, it's different civilizations, different time periods with Rheinfeld, uh, different cultures, but it's interesting to see them work to revitalize buildings that have been there since 1975, but they're touching them up. They're making them more, and I can't wait to see the finished product. I think that's just cool of them to even, you know, put out the the image of what the area is going to look like. That's just one of those extra little things that they're doing for the guest experience to be like, Hey, here's what it's going to look like. Another reason for you to come back and see it. Yeah. It's, it's going to look really sharp DJ and I am looking forward to it. I am moving further away from Bush gardens soon. So uh, I don't know when I'm going to get back, but I'm glad that I was able to go during Mardi Gras to experience that new event at the park. I saw some great friends, and I'm not just talking about Alpengeist, and I had a great time, DJ. Great time. Yeah, it's so great to hear, and I'm excited to hear about your next park adventure, but I think that's going to be your last park adventure, at least for some time. Uh, but there is also ways that you can have corkscrew conversation with us if you're interested. Uh, you can always send us questions. Maybe it's on a trip that Chris just went on, one that I'm going on, one that we need to go on. Send us questions. Let's have a corkscrew conversation with you. There's a variety of ways you can get in touch with us. 
whether it be email corkscrew combos at gmail.com we're on really all the social media sites we had a awesome tweet that kind of popped off that uh, chris you snapped an awesome picture of the mardi gras event at least at least ending at the mardi gras event with this yeah. incredible <laughs> picturesque sunset it needs to be a print hey and it might be in the future who knows uh, but yes, there's a lot of ways that you can get in contact with the show and engage with us more than just simply listening to us. There's lots of ways for you to manipulate the content, for you to have your say in what you think we should talk about. Uh, we've had, a, I'm not going to lie, DJ, we've had a, a couple of people recently that I don't know if they were listening at the beginning where we talked about some of our experience in the parks, but they've asked maybe one or two questions about ride operation. And of course, we have both been ride operators in some capacity in some park here or there. Um, so we do have some insight. Now, I know neither of us are ride operators right now, but uh, if someone asked, why do parks add or remove a train to a roller coaster in the middle of the day? Uh, we could definitely provide some insight as to maybe why that might happen. Uh, no guarantees of correctness, of course, because every park is different. <laughs> every situation is different. But uh, we could definitely talk about that for a little bit, too. So I'm going to open it up to all the listeners. If any of you are interested in asking an operator, we'll call it ask an operator, uh, where you have questions about something around ride operations. Why do they do this when they dispatch? Why do they do that? What does it mean if that happens? Uh, we'd be happy to provide a little bit more insight. Uh, of course, there is a, a lot of discrepancies about how different rides and different coasters are operated, but uh, we can provide some general insight as to what it is to be around a roller coaster in an operation sense. Does that sound good, DJ? That sounds great. There are just so many of those little hidden intricacies, and I think we could definitely hit on those. Well, definitely. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>